0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sermon text is our reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. Grace and peace to you be from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight, we consider St. Paul's conversion. How he changed from a persecutor of the church to a bold proclaimer. Paul was a rising star among the Pharisees. He called himself a Hebrew of Hebrews. He led the Jews into a persecution against Christians, even getting support from the high priest. No doubt his profile among the Sanhedrin and others was rising. If he had continued on this path, he would have likely been a great leader among the Jews, highly regarded and respected and admired. But all this he threw away. He gave it all up. He counted it as rubbish, all on the account of Christ Jesus. He turned is back on this path. He left it behind. All the fame, fortune, and power that would have been his. He forsook all that. He turned his back on certain aspects of his upbringing, and thus possibly on his family. He considered what he had in and with Christ to be of a greater value. There are many who have also followed this pattern. They have turned away from their former life and the lies associated with it and faced a great, great loss. Fox's Book of Martyrs records that a Gothic prince named Hermann Agildas, the eldest son of a king of the Goths in Spain, converted to the one true faith, away from the Arian heresy, which taught that Jesus was only a creation of God. His father, the king, then in response, took away his position as a governor and threatened him with death if he didn't renounce the truth. And rather than given to his father's demands, he began to prepare to defend himself. And many faithful believers began to declare for him, stand for him. And the king began to persecute these faithful believers and led a powerful army against his son. He was able to besiege him where he was and capture him. And he was taken in chains back to the town he served where he was to receive communion from an Arian bishop on Easter. However, he refused to partake in this communion with a false anti-Trinitarian teaching. And this so angered his father that he ordered him cut into pieces his own son And the guards quickly killed him on April 13th, 586 A.D. In Utah, I observed those who struggled to leave family behind. I saw both those who were baptized and stood fast while their family tried to get them to return to be a Latter-day Saint that heritage that they grew up in. And I saw those who could not stand the thought of leaving their family behind. That their son or wife might be in hell because they refused to believe. You see, leaving someone behind doesn't necessarily mean physically leaving them behind. It might refer to walking the path of Christ without them. It might mean Raising your child and trying to teach them Christ when they refuse to believe. It might mean going to church alone because your wife or your husband will not join you. It doesn't mean abandoning them. No, quite the opposite. It means continuing with them all the more while witnessing Christ's love through you. Paul's clear on this in 1 Corinthians 7. 12 to 13. Although not as a command from the Lord, he writes, To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. Paul goes on to explain how the witness of the Christian spouse to the other brings Christ's light into the other's life. This may very well result in the conversion of the unbeliever. Yet there is no such guarantee, and we do see a great struggle for those who are married but their spouse does not believe. It's a great hardship, even when your spouse is not antagonistic (laughs) Against you. Just not overly supportive. And it becomes incumbent upon us to help and support such ones who struggle like this. We know that none of us can believe by our own strength. And so none of us can remain faithful by our own strength either. Rather, we depend on the Lord to give us strength, to help us. And He does. I have Seen it. (laughs) He increases our faith. He strengthens our will and desire to walk with Him, and He provides us with a new family to help support us and encourage us. It is our responsibility as the body of Christ to support such a one who is struggling, to help them. That may mean notes of encouragement. It might mean listening to his struggle and praying for him and his family. It could be, mean inviting his family over for dinner and showing them all Christ's love. After all, we all need such support and love and kindness when we are struggling. Such love reminds those who are struggling of what lies ahead. As Jesus indicated to his disciples in our gospel text, those who leave behind the things and people of this world because of his name, that is, because of who he is, because they bear his name in baptism, they will be blessed a hundredfold and eternal life will be theirs. That blessing begins in baptism with Christ's life given to us, as well as being made part of his family. We likewise need this reminder because the lure of the things of this world is great. Besides the worldly riches, there's worldly fame, pleasures, and honor. These can all be hard to give up. That is, because of who he is. Because of who God is, following him, I mean leaving these behind. No doubt there have been times that you and I have refused to leave behind something or someone in this world. Rather than forsake our earthly desires, or our earthly loved ones, we forsook Christ. In such, we did not shine the light of Christ, but rather our loves and our desires. Sadly, we all struggle with this self-love. We're tempted by the world to be part of it, to find our fulfillment and life in the here and now but it does not work. It only ends in disaster for us and those around us. What we need is a new life, one apart from our sinful, self-centered desires. We need a holy life in place of our darkened existence. And thankfully, God grants us this. He grants it to you and to me. God gives us a renewal and a rebirth in Christ Jesus. Through Jesus, going to the cross to die for us, we receive a new life, his life. For at the cross, our old way of life is put to death. Paul's former life was crucified and was no more. He received a new life, a washing that set him free from his former life. Baptized he came out as a new man. His eyes remade, renewed and opened to the truth. He was reborn and ready to live that new life, set apart as part of God's family, as part of the body of Christ. And so you too have been reborn in baptism. Your failures to love Christ, your self-centered love, your former gods, all these have been put to death on the cross with Christ. Through your baptism, he has crucified all of these. His blood has been shed to cover over your sins and mine. You've been washed in those very waters. Clean. Following Christ into this rebirth means walking the path of Christ to the cross and into His resurrection. It means daily dying to sin and your desires and rising to live as a new creation, as a child of God. For this is your new life. This is who you are and whose you are. So don't let the devil, the world, or your flesh trick you or tempt you with what does not last, that which will not provide life, and those who are in the dark. They do not need you to fall with them. They need you to stand in the light that they might see and hear. The things and animals in this world are likewise waiting the resurrection when they will be set free from their bondage. Looking forward to that day when what God has begun in you is revealed and shown forth. So look forward to that day as well. Walk as God's people. Love those around you, including your family. Care for them and be of service for them. Provide for them, but love God more. Hold to his word and teaching. Be physically at church according to his command and come and eat at his table. he has told you and me, as he invites us. And then share the good news of Christ with your family, both those who believe and those who do not. Share the word with your friends and those around you, those who know and those who don't know. For you have a place in Christ's household And at his table. This table sets you apart from the world. It's Christ's declaration of his kingdom. It's your confession here that he is your Lord and that there is no other who stands in his place or in his way. He alone rules. You confess that here, at his table. Today, as you partake of his supper, Christ comes to you and he declares to you, I forgive you. Though you follow the world and your flesh, I affirm to you that those sins are put away. I declare you clean once again. You're part of my family. You're my beloved children. Take and eat my bread and be strengthened by my body. Take and drink my wine, for my blood contained therein makes you holy and pure and new. I have an eternal home for you with me, a new heavens and a new earth where you will live with me forever, blessed over a hundredfold what you have in this world. I know your love may have faltered, but here at my table, I restore you, for my love continues because I am faithful and true. Now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in our Lord Christ Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.